Welcome to Mindfully Sovereign, the podcast that invites you to reclaim your feminine self-authority and unleash the abundance within. My name is Safa, I am your host, and I'm here to help guide you past your limiting beliefs and into the heart of your unwavering and undeniable power. This podcast is all about reclaiming your feminine self-authority, learning the art of self-seduction, and awakening your inner goddess so that you can become an aligned match to your most abundant life yet. So grab a cup of tea, get cozy and get ready to become mindfully sovereign. Hello, hello, happy Monday and welcome back beautiful souls to the Mindfully Sovereign podcast. I am ready to go and so excited about today's topic because it is juicy. It is super aligned with feminine self-authority and mindful sovereignty. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think it's something that we don't spend enough time discussing and something that we often stay away from because frankly, it takes a lot of presence and a lot of mastery and a lot of emotional intelligence amongst other things. So let's start today's conversation with what exactly is ownership and how it relates to our personal sovereignty in our day-to-day lives. In my very humble opinion, and where I want us to start with this, is that ownership is all about proactively becoming the architect of your life. This is decidedly not a conversation about self-blame or hyper-rigidity in our lives, but rather a very expansive conversation about our ability to become sovereign in our lives by choosing to become masterful in the art of self-accountability and responsibility. This is about holding ourselves to a standard that is very much in alignment with our own standards, with our values, with our integrity, our belief systems, the magic that we want to create and attract in this world. And it has a lot to do with how we choose to show up for ourselves when things are not perfect. And perhaps more important than that, how we choose to show up for ourselves when we feel like we've let other people in our lives down. Which, if you recall, our last episode on taking up space is one of the many wounds that we carry internally that really prevents us from living an authentic, abundant, and powerful life. Truthfully, when we take ownership of our lives, we open the door to the possibility of infinite creation, intimacy, and self-empowerment. Taking ownership in our day-to-day lives means moving beyond the old ideas of victimhood and blame designation and sitting square at the very center of our thrones. Taking ownership in our lives allows us to deepen our intimacy in our relationships It attunes us further to our emotional intelligence and it amplifies our inner leadership frequency. It just really allows us to become the leaders that we already are, but so much better. Personally, I find that the deeper my connection to my self-ownership, the more expansive and the more freedom and the more just delectable my life becomes. It becomes a real romance. And the reason for that is... 
that the deeper my ability to hold myself up to a standard of a greatness with the inner knowing that I am worthy and valuable and incredible without the need for external validation or external factors to come in and take on that role or that responsibility, so to speak, the more delightful my self-devotion becomes. Taking radical ownership of every area of my life ensures not that I continuously berate myself for not moving into a space of perfection or high-level performance continuously, that would be ridiculous, but rather that I hold myself accountable for the things that I am choosing to embody, how I am bringing them into my space, and where I am choosing to welcome them into my space and at what capacity in every area of my life. So really, in case you were worried about this conversation going the direction of you have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day and spend an hour meditating and another hour doing yoga and another hour doing journaling, and then you'll be able to be this like amazing badass that is going to basically destroy anything that gets in her way, then you will be very disappointed. Or you will be very happy to hear me say that taking ownership isn't about aggressively seeking perfection in any area of your life. Radical ownership is all about setting proper boundaries in place. It's about understanding what it is that makes you tick and why. So really, it is a sense of self-seduction, self-communication, self-love, self-inquiry on a deeper level that you could possibly ever imagine. And so very very delightful. It is a really powerful tool in breaking patterns of codependency or people pleasing that might have just been stuck in your energetic field or in your subconscious mind or just in your day-to-day interactions for a very long time, sustainable amount of time. Radical ownership is actually a very deep act of care. This is the realm we inhabit when we know we are worthy of so much more. Radical ownership means having the difficult conversations with ourselves at a time when we might have let our integrity be compromised or where we've momentarily forgotten just who we are and why we are doing what we are doing in this world. Radical ownership is taking up space freely and learning where we are needing to go deeper, whether it is by asking for help or whether we want to delegate a little bit more in our lives or simply need to take a pause, take a break. So see, it isn't, once again, and sorry for the repeat, but it's true, it isn't about going all balls to the wall, 24-7, no stop, depleting yourself until there is nothing left of you except for maybe like the pile of sweat on the floor that you left on your way to tackle on the biggest challenge of your life in an effort to become perfect. Radical ownership is sitting with yourself in full contemplation and honesty and care When, say for example, you are sitting down to create your vision board or journal out every last ounce of possible manifestations, palpable, reachable, dreamable in your heart onto the pages of your much-loved journal. It means understanding where an impulse comes from and being brave enough to ask that impulse questions so that we don't fall into a state of reactivity. 
Radical ownership is the ability to say, you know what, I messed up and I am a willing to show up for myself from a place of loving awareness and power and say, I am sorry, I take full responsibility, I will show up. And sometimes that can be very challenging, especially when emotions are high or when we feel like we have been wronged in one way or another. It's not something that you can learn to do in two seconds just listening to a podcast or reading a self-help book. It's something that takes time to really lean into with attention and dedication because sometimes you're going to feel foolish doing it. It also means being able to say, we need to have a conversation about this and the roles that we played in it and knowing that it really isn't up to you to put the onus of your self-care and your internal self-regulation on anybody else outside of you. So to make this a little bit clearer, and for those of us who like learning through story, like myself, and really like most human beings, otherwise Hollywood wouldn't be quite as popular as it is, in my opinion. I'll share something with you, just very small, that I realized a few months ago, and that just blew my mind completely. So growing up, I had to do a lot of the emotional heavy lifting in my life for the grown-ups in my life, as well as for some of the kids my own age. I learned very quickly that the world felt safer if I was performing at a certain level of everyone comes first, I come last, and somehow everyone's happiness or displeasure or discomfort or heartbreak is my fault. It's all about me. And while I have been in the process of working with these parts of self for a long time, it can help clients through the same process, it's important for us to know that one of the most beautiful aspects of healing is that our process is a continuous upward facing spiral. And so there is always going to be one more step, one more floor to go up, so to speak. Or you can look at it like a pomegranate. The juice may be what we are after, but there are so many seeds along the way. We're going to get messy and it is going to be at once a very frustrating and also very delightful process. So as part of doing the work, especially with these parts of myself, the ones that are so used to people pleasing, bending over backwards, making sure that somehow I am the sole person in charge of everybody else's happiness in my life, which honestly hasn't happened at very great degrees in my life for quite some time now, but will do so in sneaky ways, showed up, I realized, once again, and it was doing it in the most incognito way possible. What was happening was these parts of my subconscious mind had learned that they weren't really safe in the realm of emotion unless they were at once in charge of everybody else's emotions and also protected from them, which also created this weird space in my mind where it felt like I needed to make excuses for being who I am. And so not too long ago, I was having a conversation with one of my new friends 
And I was doing something that I have done time and again for some time, and I will call myself out and say, I've actually done this quite a bit, especially post-divorce, and I recognized that it was becoming sort of a defense mechanism. I said to my friend, here are some things you need to know about me. I talk a lot and I'm very expressive and very passionate and sometimes I'll say or do something that feels a little bit crazy or out there and I won't even notice that I've done this until a little bit later and so if I come to you later and say oh hey that crazy thing I did yeah then it's normal you should also know I process things differently and I need to take my time with things a lot of the times my immediate response just based off internalized wounding that I can't always masterfully catch in the act will be to say no right away. Sometimes I just need a little breather, a little time to think about it, to process it, and then I'll be able to have a deeper conversation about it, even if my first inkling was to say no. So on the very surface level, this just felt very normal for me to be doing, and it made my parts feel somehow safer as if giving some sort of explanation for the things that I had believed were wrong or disagreeable about me for so long, even after all the inner work, everything would be better. Like just this one explanation would cover a blanket statement and and everybody would see me and see my imperfections and be like, oh, okay, right, she did say that she did this crazy stuff, so we're just kind of expecting it, which is the same as putting up with which is one of my biggest pet peeves and one of the things that I'm always talking about in terms of learning to heal that space and that energy because it just doesn't thrive. It doesn't call forth abundance into our lives. It doesn't allow us to go deeper into intimacy. It doesn't create trust. It keeps us stuck. And then the other really interesting part about this was that this was a very sneaky way for my internal system and my parts to put the onus of care for my emotions, should they ever become dysregulated at any point, on the other person, which is a level of emotional immaturity. And so I recognized this one day when my husband and I were out for a run and I just busted out. I, was, I just busted out laughing. I said, I'm sorry, I got to stop the run. I got to write this down. This was impactful. Because again, it never ceases to amaze me how beautiful, how deep, how vast, how varied, how incredibly nuanced the realm of self-healing, self-improvement, self-care, self-devotion, self-love can go. It really has so many different branches and I just love it. And sometimes I feel very called out, like right at that moment, I was like, oh man, okay, I am showing a pretty good level of emotional immaturity there that I need to address and I need to take ownership off so that I can transmute it, grow from it, and then find something new and more vast and more incredible to sink my teeth into as I continue to constantly fall in love with myself through these practices that I consider practices of self-seduction. The more you ask yourself why, the deeper you go with where is this coming from, what does it mean to me, what can I do to support myself, all of those questions, the deeper the art of your self-seduction grows. 
And so I share that story with you just so that you can see and understand that this idea of radical ownership isn't necessarily as straightforward as we might think. That there are areas in our life that we may not be able to see right away. We may need someone else to help us see the light directly into them or will simply show up in our lives in a moment of aha that are going to bring forth the invitation to step up to the plate and say, this is mine, I claim it, I will work with it, I will walk side by side with it, I will heal it, and I will move from a different space from this moment on because I can see it. Because look, I am a feminine embodiment mentor and I very well could have just said, oh, this is embarrassing, no one ever can or needs to know about this. I'm just going to shove it in a closet. I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist because if I ever even dare think about the fact that after over a decade of doing this work with clients and with myself, I still have elements of emotional immaturity. It will make me look imperfect. It will make me look ridiculous and other people will not want to come near me ever again. So no, this has to go in the closet. No one can know about this. I'm keeping my mouth shut about this. I could have very easily done that. I could have also very easily just internally said, Oh, that's not emotional immaturity. This is just the way that I prepare people in my life. This is how I create new boundaries. This is how we can go deeper into our relationship by understanding one another a little bit better. This is just me saying, hey, this is my quirk and this is how I deal with it and this is how we can deal with it together. But the truth is, I would have internally known what was up. So radical ownership isn't about playing the blame game against myself or about playing hot potato and pushing the issue off to someone else or onto something else or looking at it and going, well, yeah, of course I feel this way because X, Y, Z. I had this trauma. This person said this to me that affected me like this. I now see the world like this and therefore, well, poor me. I'm never going to be able to change anything. Everything is going to remain the same forever. I'm just going to continue to be at the effect of people and this is going to be my automatic response forever because, well, what the hell else can I do? But a true sovereign knows that being in that position of self-authority means getting uncomfortable, getting your hands dirty, really digging in there and saying, hey, this is up to me. It is not up to other people to regulate my emotions, my feelings, anything. It is up to me. I get to choose how I show up in my life when X, Y, Z. And I think a lot of us unfortunately lose sight of that when we've started to understand ourselves better. Ironically, we're in the process of healing and understanding our trauma and our lived human experience and wishing proactively creating a better life for ourselves. And we can sometimes fall into the trap of going, oh, well, now that I understand my trauma and I know my triggers, that must mean that I'm at the effect of them continuously and forever in perpetuity. Or that if you ever dare come even a little bit close to touching that trigger in my life, it is your responsibility to make it up to me. It is your responsibility to not do that. It is up to you to make things better. It is up to you. And that's not entirely right. 
As a matter of fact, that's not right at all. The point isn't to go through life just avoiding all the triggers or walking away from anybody who even triggers us just a little bit. It's not about finding someone who's going to be just like so perfectly perfect that they will never, ever, ever trigger us. That's no way to live. That's no way to build intimacy. That's no way to build self-empowerment. That's no way to become or live mindfully sovereign. What we want to do is understand the deepest parts of ourselves, lend them support, kindness, tenderness, attention, understanding, and hold strong to our own power by saying, hey, It is up to me to regulate myself. That isn't your task. And I can still say, this really hurt. This is the way that I am perceiving it. This is how I would like to have a conversation with you about it and where and why. But I still do not expect you to take care of me to such a heightened degree that my emotional well-being is your responsibility or in your hands or the reason that somehow I make it through the day. That's incredibly disempowering. Ownership is about building self-trust. It's about being truthful with yourself first and with the world around you after. It's about being clear and concise and to the point and not immediately looking for the scapegoat in everything. It's about putting away the old ideas of victimhood and leaning into our power where appropriate to the degree that is best suited to us at that time. Obviously, I am not discounting someone who has been abused. I am not talking about that when I talk about victim. What I'm referring to is the seat that we too often take when it feels much more comfortable, much more accessible, much more appropriate to a situation for us to go, it wasn't me. I'm just poor little me here sitting at the effect of everybody. Everybody's out to get me. Nobody wants to listen to me. Even the, I don't know, the person at the CVS is getting my order wrong and they're making my life impossible and they won't listen to me. And whenever I try to talk to the doctor, the doctor puts me on hold. And the, you see what I mean? Like that, that's what I'm talking about when I say this victim space. Radical ownership is saying things aren't going the way that I want them to and this is how I'm going to approach them because of this. Or it is saying I recognize now that I'm more aware I have some work to do here and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to put that responsibility on anything or anyone else outside of myself. Radical ownership is the ability to say I can't go any deeper with this particular issue. I can't see any other direction. I can't see any other kind of variance. I'm having a really difficult time wrapping my mind around just what I'm seeing sort of face-to-face, nose-to-nose. I need help in reaching out to someone who can be there to support you and give you the bigger picture or help you see the bigger picture. They're not going to give it to you, but they will allow you to see it more clearly. That's radical ownership. Radical ownership is the ability to say, I'm going to show up to my life every single day from a place of strength. I'm going to choose to understand that whatever standards I think I am holding for the people in my life or for my life itself, I have to be able to hold for myself even 
better, with more mastery. Radical ownership is not blaming universe when my manifestations aren't coming through fast enough, but rather understanding that there are things I need to sit with to get into the right frequency or to take the steps that are necessary to bring about the birth of that manifestation. Because no, manifesting isn't just about putting something on a paper, burning it, and then just waiting for universe to give you whatever it is that you said that you wanted. It's not like that. Radical ownership is sitting with yourself and going, ah, okay, you know what? This particular thing has happened several times in different ways, but basically it's the same thing over and over in my life, and it isn't my fault. I do want to see what it is that appeals to me about it. Say, for example, a relationship that brings me back to it. So say, as an example, that you've had a string of codependent, toxic, not properly aligned relationships in your life. You will never hear me say that you attracted those things to you. So I want to make that very, very fucking clear right now. What I am going to encourage you to do is understand what it has been about those relationships that has felt safe to your nervous system in one way or another, because safety sometimes has a lot more to do with what we are familiar with and comfortable with than what is actually safe for us. And then exploring the possibility of changing the conversation, the relationship, and the dynamics within your own subconscious mind, your heart, your body, that are going to allow you to look at a fuckboy and say, no, that is not allowed in my space because of this, regardless of the puppy dog eyes or the fact that, but you don't know them like I do, or that internally you kind of like the drama, whatever it is that might keep you in a state of this is appealing to me despite the fact that it isn't good for me. I'm simply attracted to it, not that I'm attracting it to me. You want to go ahead and explore that. In doing that, that is taking radical ownership of something. Radical ownership, frankly, is one of the many keys that we have to the true doorway of abundance and wealth in our lives. Because it's going to mean holding yourself to a certain level when it comes to investing. It means breaking the pattern of, I bought something, now I have buyer's remorse, I'm going to return it, I'm going to demand that my money be given back to me, I'm freaking out, I got this program and I never took it, but really just because it wasn't working for me and now they're not giving me my money back and I don't understand why there's no refunds, this is the other person's fault. I paid so much and it wasn't, you know, that kind of thing and putting it on external factors and instead taking radical ownership and saying, okay, I made the investment in this at the time I thought it was what was going to be best for me. It turns out it wasn't. And I am choosing for myself differently. I will learn from this. I will maybe even rage or feel heartache and really delve into every expression of emotion that I am experiencing related to this investment that didn't go the way that I wanted it to. And I am still taking ownership of the fact that I invested in it because I believed it was worth it at the time and I did and that's okay and now I'm going to move forward with better understanding with more strength with more clarity and I'm going to keep choosing with a deep understanding that even if our intuition is like oh okay yeah my sacral is telling me this is the choice I'm making it and then we make it it doesn't turn out the way that we wanted it to 
we get to just chuck everything out and complain that we are victims of the universe. Radical ownership does also mean stepping up to the plate, taking up space and saying, hey, this was wrong for these reasons. And this is where and why and how I'm going to act accordingly to this. In other words, I'm saying if you want to have a conversation with someone who's wronged you or if you want to file that lawsuit that is needed or do whatever it is that is in your space that you know you recognize is coming from a balanced and self-aware space of mindful sovereignty, go ahead and do it and take radical ownership of it. The point, again, is just not to play hot potato and pass it off to someone else just because. Radical ownership is also sitting face-to-face with the repercussions of an action that was taken out of alignment and not castigating yourself for it. That's probably one of the most challenging aspects of this conversation because what will happen is we will do something that might have just not been very well handled on our our side And then all of a sudden, the internal chatter is, we are evil, we are the worst person in this world, we deserve to be punished, anything that's bad that's happening to us, we made it happen to ourselves, and just going down this road of self-castigation for no other reason that we haven't really quite mastered the art of ownership in a way that doesn't tie to blame, shame, dismissal, aggressive self-repudiation, etc. Radical ownership means getting very good at leaning into clarity and sincerity. Sometimes that means calling yourself out in a very loving but stern way. Sometimes that means calling someone else out because here's the thing, this ties to a very deepened level of accountability and we will talk about that on the next episode, but it is very much in the same space. You want to show up for yourself in such a way that radical ownership means, hey, I'm going to hold you accountable the same way that I hold myself accountable and not blame and not do all these things, but from here reach a point of growth that is very much tethered to a place of self-empowerment. Radical ownership is very much if I want the thing, if I want the abundance, if I want the wealth, if I want the love of my life, if I want whatever it is that I desire most deeply in my life, then I get to show up for myself daily, consistently, do the work, understand myself, court myself, seduce myself, and show up without simply expecting that things are just going to work themselves out because they have to. Radical ownership often is getting really red-faced and feeling warm and feeling a small amount of, oh boy, because this is embarrassing that I did this and now I'm going to sit here and figure out how to best, from a place of care and love and empowerment, move through this without negating, disregarding, shrinking, diminishing, disappearing, blaming pointing fingers, all the things that we've been talking about. Radical ownership is actually a very key note on a or off a or a mark of a very apt and adept leader. So just to give you another example, 
we've been watching this cooking show on television. I'm just like enjoying every moment of it. I love watching the creativity, the challenge, everything that goes on to me. It's just so inspiring. And while I am not a restaurant owner or a head chef, one of the things that definitely amazed me most and that I would have been looking for in a person who was going to be at the head of my kitchen in this amazing five-star level restaurant, hotel, whatever, is the leadership skill, the ability to manage the kitchen from a place of deep emotional intelligence and radical ownership. Because a lot of what we were seeing on the TV show was a lot of blaming, a lot of Well, I told so-and-so that they needed to prep the what you have. And that's not what they presented me with when the food was being picked up to go be served at the tables. Or, well, yeah, we were working as a team, but they were doing a really poor job of leading the team and they weren't listening to me. And I was trying to tell them, but they never once looked my way. And so now we're all lost and the team is going to lose and I am on the chopping block because of them. There was quite a lot of that going on in the kitchen. And I think what I would have been looking for if I was going to be giving this award to someone, like if I was one of the judges or the lead judge who was making this decision, is I would have been looking for the person who kept their head cool, who understood that things happen and that you can pivot. Or to quote one of my new favorite movies, improvise, adapt, overcome. That knew how to talk to the staff that understood that, hey, if there is a breakdown in communication here or if the kitchen isn't operating the way it should and plates are getting to people very late, that they're getting lost, they're not well cooked, etc. that that is up to me. I am the leader of this ship. I am the one at the helm of this kitchen. I get to take ownership of that and say, I didn't check every plate. I didn't have a proper conversation with my staff. I dropped the ball on thinking about what the mathematics of this was going to be. I'm not very good at time management and I didn't delegate. I'm hearing feedback and I'm going to take it on instead of simply going, well, man, the customer doesn't know what they're talking about. And when I cook things, people like them. So if they don't like it, poo-poo on them. No, I'm going to take that feedback and adapt and I'm going to adjust and I'm going to better myself because of it and through it. And it's going to be difficult and it's going to make me sweat. And sometimes I'm going to doubt myself and sometimes I'm going to feel like my heart is broken and sometimes I'm going to feel rejected by the customers, by the other chefs, by my staff. And I'm going to keep going because I am devoted to myself and I'm going to take radical ownership of my fucking situation, my ship, my kitchen, my life, my skills of leadership, my delegation. Every single part of this is going to be taken into my realm of sovereignty and that is radical ownership. And there is a way to weave this into radical accountability for self and for others. But again, we're going to talk about that more on the next episode. For now, just take some time to really sit with yourself and observe gently with love and care and curiosity where in your life you've 
sidestepped taking radical ownership, where you have taken radical ownership, and what that has felt like in your body, in in how it has informed the way you choose to show up for yourself in this world. Take a look at all of that and ask yourself, what would I do to make this ownership deeper, to better it, to make myself more masterful in this arena? Where am I allowing myself to believe that I am at the effect of things and completely obfuscating that ownership in my life? Where am I disempowering myself by doing just that? And what is that shift going to be? What is it going to take? What am I going to make that mean? Where is the space for me to step up to the plate, sit my ass on that throne, and become mindfully sovereign again? So I can't wait to go deeper into this conversation on the next episode. And I thank you so much for joining me today. I also can't wait to see you on Friday so that we can talk about this more on the live Q&A over on my Instagram at Your Soulful Goddess. And if you can't make the live Q&A, that's fine. You can also email me info at YourSoulfulGoddess.com. That can work as a ride to the show kind of place. It can also be there if you are like, you know what? I want to sink my teeth deeper into this in my life because I know that from it, I'm going to get more abundance, more fulfillment, more love, more intimacy. And I want to work with someone who is going to help me with the macroscopic point of view, then work with me on a one-on-one level. That is why I'm here and what I do. And if you are enjoying these episodes, don't forget to leave a five-star review and share with the people that you love because that helps other people find the show and it benefits them as well. And you can also always for sure find me on my website, YourSoulfulGoddess.com. But for today, that is all. Thank you again so much for joining me and I will talk to you on the next episode.